yeah, she's back with a rapey vengeance. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, I have our poser extraordinary, and it's I. It's getting hard in here, so take off all your clothes. <laughs> Is this in reference to you having to turn off the AC to record? Very much so. Very much so. <laughs> it's hot. It's uh, well, welcome to welcome to welcome to my world, Natai. For the last like three years that we've been doing this podcast, I have not been <laughs> able to use my AC while we've recorded at all. Remember, I'll always bring this up. But remember, Jason's fan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I can't blame him. I can't blame him. I feel like at some point that that fan was really just another member of the podcast and just never spoke. <laughs> very, it was very essential. It was very essential. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Good so times. you and I have gotten together tonight to uh, we are continuing our jaunt through the Monogatari series. Our jaunt, um, we, nice. <laughs> I listen. I have I have words. I have words from time to time. Um, yeah, so uh, previously we had started this journey with Baki Monogatari, and we are continuing with its direct sequel, Nise Monogatari, tonight. The horny um, part. Horniest? The, the horn. Well, I don't know if it's the, the horn. Well, no, yeah, it's the horniest part of, of Monogatari. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a couple of horny parts in, in season two. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Nise Monogatari is, is very horny. Um so yeah, let's let's get right into it. I mean, there's not really from the technical standpoint, there's not a whole lot to talk about with this. Mm-hmm. It's still Studio Shaft. It's still the project uh, director is Akiki Shimbo. They did bring on uh, Tomoyuki Izamura mm-hmm. for uh, this part. There's also a couple of different episode directors, I believe, that were tapped: um, uh, Yukiyase and uh, Takashi uh, Kawabata. Also directed a couple of episodes. Mm. We're still in the same hands we were left back when they made Bake, which is good. Yeah, I mean, the music great. music is still being done uh, by Satoru uh, Kosaki. Uh, this particular part, Nizu Monogatari, aired during the winter 2012 season. Damn, that's almost 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, we're coming up on the 10th anniversary of Nizu Monogatari. Holy shit. That's insane, whoa. Yeah, um, and it only has one ED throughout the entire running of this uh, uh, part, I guess we'll say. Um, and that is yeah. season. Sure, we'll go with that. Uh, Naisho no Hanashi by Claris. A great song. Just really, really it is. cool, it's, it's... upbeat song. The visuals are, again, weird, and I like them. Cool designs for all the characters with this really strange and simple art style i guess i don't know how to yes. explain it. um i i can't i can't tell you a little bit of trivia for you the lyrics for the song were actually written by rio of supercell oh really it's the same guy who wrote the lyrics for the ed for bake yes it is <laughs> what a dude what a dude uh, I do want to talk uh, briefly, though, a uh, uh, technical point about the animation in this particular uh, season, Nisei Monogatari. Um, I want to say that, like, you know, there was some really good animation in, in Baki Monogatari. Oh, yeah. But it definitely seems like they went one notch higher in, in Nisei. So, Baki exploded when it came out, uh, especially in Japan. I don't know how much of that uh, led to, like, Nisei having such incredible animation. But it's like, they mm. just 
flex on you from time to time for like very very specific scenes and just really these like splashes of awesome animation that pops up not necessarily even for like fight scenes just like characters interacting between them it's it's awesome it's strange but it's awesome i love it yeah you know there's a part of me that wonders like did did Shaft go in knowing that Bakke or expecting that Bakke was going to be a success because I think they thought it was going to be kind of successful, but I don't think they realized how successful exactly it was going to be. And that may be why they got a bigger budget for Mm. Nise than they did with Bakke. Yeah, I I do wonder. I mean, obviously, Bakke, only thanks to the the anime, the novels exploded as well in the West. I, I have a feeling that they weren't that big. And like no one knew of it, especially. But I do wonder how big were the novels before the anime in the cha- in Japan, you know? But it's, it's I, an interesting I, I question. Think, I think they were relatively successful, but they weren't like, you know, popping off, so to speak. Um, I will say, like in the West, at least, we haven't officially, in big air quotes, gotten... <laughs> the the novels until relatively recently in fact was it 20 late 2016 early 2017 is when mm. we first got the yeah. novel the the official english translation for kizu monogatari which by the way huge shout outs to that publication because they've been like handling that terrifically in terms of like the translation yes they have they, vertical they, yeah vertical been doing awesome job the books. Vertical has been doing. I, I I cannot praise them enough for how well they have done with their releases of the Monogatari light novels in English. Because mm-hmm. um, not only are they very them. well translated, well, not only are they very well translated, but you also have great new cover art from uh, Vofon. Mm-hmm. and like the goat, the goat, and we almost almost have all of them translated so far. I mean, all of we have all first, second, and uh, final season translated. Uh, yeah, we have. All the yeah, all the stuff from first, second, and final season. Yeah, the only things that we don't have translated yet, at least officially in English, are the off-season uh, light novels and the monster season light novels. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll get yes, there. Yes, we are. We'll this is there. not this is not a light novel, a Monogatari light novel spoiler cast. We're here to talk about uh, Nisei Monogatari, the anime. And so this the the anime adaptation for Nisei Monogatari is broken up into two parts: Karen B and Tsukihi Phoenix. Uh, Karen B is the first seven episodes of this particular part and it actually has two different yeah huh it's the longest arc we've had and will have i think i yeah i I believe you're right about i think it is the longest single arc in the entire monogatari series if i'm not mistaken yes yeah i think it is yeah I think it is the long, single longest um, story arc, yeah. Uh, this particular part, uh, or story arc, does have two OPs. Um, the first one is actually sung by Chiyo Saito, who is Hitagi's uh, voice actor. Uh, it is called Fuk- uh, Fuka Kotome. Fuka Kotome. There you go. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the second OP is probably the more famous one. There's a lot of people that probably think back and is like, no, Nisei only has two OPs. No, it actually has three. Yeah, um, sh- shocking. This, the second OP for this particular story arc is Marshmallow Justice, which is sung by Ariki Tamura, who is the voice actor for Karen. What a great OP. Like visually, it is well. uh, both of these. Both of these are really both, good OPs, yeah. by the way. I, 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 I like how with with the first OP, which you get, I think is in the first and third. Episodes. Yeah, first and third episodes, I think. 
Um, yeah. I, I know you get it twice. I can't remember exactly which episodes off the top of my head, and I just watched this, so I should know. Um, <laughs> I, I like how the the like the art of that op is literally just scenes from Bakemonogatari that are just like wireframe animated. It looks really cool. It looks really cool. But I mm. think out of the the two, I think visually, like I love the song from the first op, but Marshall of Justice, the animation is just so so smooth and clean i love the transition of how like uh karen turns into this fire and into this like group of bees and it's like the transformations and transitions between those sequences it looks so good yeah it's also worth mentioning that i know you and i kind of went back and forth with this a little bit before we started like um this also is like the re I, I'll say the reintroduction of both uh Karen and Sukihi, uh Koyomi's sisters. Now, yes, they were introduced in Bakimonogatri, but we knew very little about them. We knew their mm-hmm. names, we knew what they looked like, but and not, we had a bit of not, interaction between them, just a bit. A very, very, very small interaction. You didn't really get a great sense of who these characters were in Bake, but in this part, you really do. So I like to say that they're reintroduced in Nizi Monogatari. And oh boy, do they introduce themselves quite in a flashy way. <laughs> yes, uh, but shall we, let, let's get into the actual episodes, the, the meat of the episodes themselves. So... Uh, the the first episode of Nisa Monogatari opens with um a, a bit of a shocking scene uh, with I mean shocking uh, you will getting... say, I will say pleasing but sure okay okay <laughs> but with uh with Koyomi getting quote unquote arrested by uh Itagi now if you watched Bake and you saw how that ended and then you immediately start with the first episode of Nisei, this might be a slightly shocking start to this episode yeah it's it comes out of nowhere and it just happens and you don't even get an explanation for quite some time because it's literally just them bullshitting each other for like 10 minutes or so and it's great i love it yeah and she's essentially like just teasing him the whole time it's just like oh you're thirsty oh hold on let me let me get you something to drink and she just pours like one drop of water Yeah, I mean, later on, you realize that this is actually taking place ahead of time in the story. Yeah, um, which is great from a, from a, like a, a writing standpoint, like brilliant. Yeah, like th- this was obviously meant to hook the people watching it into like keep it going, and what a job it does at doing that. And it's a good hook because for the first two episodes, not a whole lot of events happen. You know, it's a lot of bullshitting. It's a like lot it's of a lot of just characters bullshitting. Yeah, it's it's it, Niso isn't really likes to take his time and sort of like gets you and like get you sort of into this sort of state of like, oh, okay, I'm just watching these characters talk to each other, nothing really important. And then he sort of like slams the sort of uh, the premise of the arc right when you least expect it. And he does that to an extreme in Nisa when it's like it takes like two episodes before we are introduced to a certain character, which we'll get to soon. Um, but yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and and it all kind of plays into the actual title for this this um, this season as well. Nisa Monogatari. Nisa Mono means fake. Yeah. So I mean, fake I, th- story. That, that place. <laughs> That it literally, yeah, the, the the title literally means fake story, uh, and it plays so much into everything that happens in in this arc um, or in this uh, season, I guess. But I do like a lot of the bullshitting that occurs. I mean, so 
so again for the first episode it's uh, our again Sajigahara just talking and he's like trying to get information out of her like what's going on it's like them like teasing each other and like still like you know in that same dynamic we saw in Bake but just like there's much more affection there between them uh, which I love mm. absolutely love it but then you get as uh, you get to his conversation with Hachikuji where they shift gears and talk about how she's surprised that he is dating Hanakawa, which you and I talked about it a lot. But it when you when, when we'll get to Kizu when we get to Kizu. But for the longest time, it seems like the the story as a whole is positioning Hanakawa as the main girl, right, for Aragi. And mm-hmm. I like how Hachikuji is sort of like is maybe Niso is in acknowledging that maybe it's like. It's like answering that question, like, huh, how come they aren't together? And then Aragi is like, oh, yeah, I could never date Anikawa, even though, I mean, mm, she is Anikawa. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's I, an interesting th- there's question. a part of me, th- th- there's always a part of me that's wondered, like, what exactly is the, their relationship between Koyomi and, and Hanakawa? Because, like, they're obviously really good friends. Yeah. Right? And you kind of wonder how that came to be and obviously when we get to kizu you'll see how that came to be um and but yeah it, it's a it's a thread that until you actually see kizu you always wonder like like yeah obviously they're really great friends and they care about each other a great deal but and you know there's all obviously this one-sided relationship or one-sided love that hanakawa has for koyomi um but you always wonder like how did they get to this point yeah, and that's the great thing about Nise. It's like you know, you'll you'll find out. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. So it's cool that it seems like, it, and it's a fun conversation. I mean, again, like Hachikuji and Aragi's dynamic is stupid to say the least, mm. <laughs> but it's super yeah. entertaining. Uh, we're also like properly introduced to uh, care. I, I'd like to say that they passed the whole Senja uh, arresting Hitagi thing. The rest of this, the first two episodes, plays out like Koyomi Araragi's fucking day off. Like he's Ferris Bueller, and I mean, he's just going around. And... Literally starts off as, oh, I guess I am not tutor- tutored by Hanakawa today. Well, I guess I'll go meet girls. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I go meet all these girls that I've totally not want to be in relationships with. But he also, on his day off, uh, finds his sister Karen just out, just casually doing handstands down the road. It's fine. Yeah, it's just chilling. That's totally cool. Um, I guess. But you're you're definitely you're, you're definitely introduced to her. Uh, like she has this particular sense of justice, justice, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she's very, very definitely the quintessential definition of a tomboy. Like Very she's much. she's really into sports. She does martial arts. She doesn't really care that much about her outward appearance. She wears very boyish clothes. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, she's just really energetic and really, I mean, to some extent, has this very uh, uh, naive sense of justice. I mean, throughout mm-hmm. this arc, uh, Koyomi talks about how she is. She might be. How, how did he say it? She might be right, but she's not strong. Because that sense of justice might be, like, there's might something to it, but it's kind of, there's something childish and may, might be, maybe even fake about it. And that whole ha question. Ha. Yeah, I know, right? And that whole question of fake and what is fake and what is real and what is fake, even though it thinks that it's real, that whole question is something that I think is what makes Nisei so fun to talk about. 
Uh, but yeah, we'll I also like the fact that when he when he meets Karen, he's she says like when he asks her what are you doing, it's like community service. <laughs> and community like and the way she says it, it's like you no, know, you're clearly not a bitch. But <laughs> yeah, their dynamic is really fun. And then where um, where does he go from there? Um. Well, uh, um, he goes to Nadako's house. <laughs> by the way, by the way, uh, before he goes to Nadako's house, he we get to see his interaction with his younger younger sister, uh, Tsukihi. <laughs> That's true. I I love how she in very like very succinctly we know like we are introduced to her and we straight up know okay she while well, Aragi is dense as fuck Tsuki is very much aware of like people's emotions and like sort of connections to each other you know because he's like mm-hmm. yeah I guess I'll go meet Nadeko do you want to come and she's like I don't think she'll appreciate me coming over with you and it's like oh what really why is that because Aragi is stupid. <laughs> and dense as fuck <laughs> and so i love that they they introduced that element of tsuki because she's yeah like, for sure uh but should we talk about uh nadako because she's back uh she was one of the one of the girls that got the least amount of screen time in bake i would say um at least of the ones that were introduced thus far and now and, she's back with um, vengeance <laughs> and yeah she's back with a rapey vengeance I forgot because it, it had been several years since mm-hmm. I had rewatched Nizam Monogatari at this point. Um, she I forgot just how thirsty. rapey this part is. I know, right? She's like very aggressive, and Aragi is, as usual, dense and dumb about it because he's like, "Oh, I'll go." Visit I feel my like friend. I feel like even if I feel like even if he acknowledged it internally, he would instinctively reject her advances because he's dating. Itagi. Itagi. And Itagi will kill Nadako if he does anything. <laughs> also, she's way too young for him. <laughs> Very much. But yeah, Nadako is... Although that's never stopped That's never stopped Koyomi in the past, let's uh, be honest. Right? But she's aggressive in this episode. She's super she's aggressive. She's super sexually aggressive towards him. Um, and she's like constantly like trying to flash tits and ass at him. And he's like, and he's, and he's not faced by this. He doesn't see it. She, he doesn't see her to some extent. I mean, he does. He does. To 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 Koyomi's credit, he internally addresses it. Like he he knows that she's trying to like show off her body to him, and he's like, I'm not going to be swayed by this. <laughs> and but yeah, and then they go on to play some games, and then they play Twister. But oh no, my parents are home. Run away, Koyomi. Oh, it's no. like, whew. I also like that when when that happens, when that when when that happens, you immediately cut to her like in a fucking cowgirl position on top of him as if she's fucking riding his dick. What the fuck? Oh, I also want to point out in this, uh, there's two great elements of foreshadowing. So uh, Nautico uses the phrase "the final boss" when she's describing herself. No, 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 no. That's that's. Was that Nautico? I think it was. um, uh, It was someone else. Uh, I may have, no, it may have been Koyomi. Now that I think about it, I, one of those two uses the phrase "the final boss" while they're talking to each other. I think it was Tsuki who referred to her as the final boss. Already matched to anyway. Yeah, but anyway, someone is referring to her the, as the final. boss. The point boss is, for some someone reason. uses that phrase "the final boss" while they're referring to Nadako, and <laughs> and <laughs> like if you know what comes at the end of second season, like it's that's wild. some great foreshadowing. Also, for some reasons, she's super fidgety about her closet. Yes, and that's also some great foreshadowing. But then he moves on to the next girl, Kanburu. 
<laughs> yeah, he moves on to the next girl on his day off. Um, he goes to see Kamburu, and she's a fucking pervert, as usual. <laughs> Bless Kamburu. <laughs> Her dynamic with Aragi is so... Like, there's something so... like Because she is just so over the top with her sexuality and perverse and perverseness right and yeah and perversion perversion yeah and that that's wild because aragi is a pervert i mean people joke about it all the time but she just takes it like to the next level and i love that whole that one bit where she's pretty much like and uh, giving him the Hachikuchi di- <laughs> treatment where he, she just gropes him all over. It's like, from this day on, I will never grope Hachikuchi again. <laughs> lies, lies, lies and deceit. Lies and you, deceit. you lie as you breathe. <laughs> I mean, but at, in the words at the of Risu, you lie as you breathe. You as you breathe. <laughs> but in the moment, you believe him for a bit. Uh, but yeah, yeah you believe him for place. a moment. I know there's a there's there's a there's a fan theory that he, she actually gives him a hand job. <laughs> That's why he has that like PTSD. Moment. You would like that to be true. I listen. It's a fan theory. I kind of stand by it. To be honest, it seems like something that Kabru would do. I'm sure there's a Dajinchi ju- somewhere. But but no. So I I wanted to point this out. Like so. Like personality wise, Kabru and Koyomi are very very similar. Right? They're mm-hmm. both perverts. Yeah, They're both insanely perverted people. The difference is that Kamburu does it in public. Like, she'll be perverted in public and she doesn't give a fuck. She literally just Koyomi, walks around the house naked, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and Koyomi will, yeah, occasionally he has his bouts in public where he, he slips into his perversion, but a vast majority of his perversion is just in his head. Yeah. Which leads to the like, know, that's, really that's fun the dynamic between the two because. Like to some extent, he gets her, but to but he's like, whoa, 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 hold on, bitch, <laughs> just yeah. a minute. He gets her, but he won't acknowledge her because of her perversion. I love how they when they clean the house and there's a bunch of BL stuff lying around. <laughs> yeah, for for someone who claims to be a lesbian, she sure likes dick a lot. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> um, and then again, it's just a lot of shit talking. Um, but the interesting thing happens when he leaves the house, and we are introduced. Yeah, in to... episode three, episode three, he leaves the house, and what happens, Natai? We see best him. girl, the best, the best of the best, <laughs> the greatest man to ever live, the best girl to ever live. Kaiki Deshu appears, and mm. what a great now! I wanted I wanted to talk about this in particular because you know you and I have talked about it in in not just in in Monogatari but in multiple anime manga what have you the importance of character introductions mm. right because that's your first impression of this character you only get one chance to do it right mm-hmm. I cannot for the life of me imagine a way to do the Kaiki introduction any better than it is I know right like the fucking dead trees and the red light lighting in the scene and the music mm, dude. and just the voice kaiki's voice is just so ominous which and they use that word so many times to describe him like hey, when, when uh, koyomi's describing him when koyomi's describing him to hitagi and when he's just describing him in general he uses that word ominous by the way that is the actual title of kaiki's character theme ominous and again, I can't stress this enough. It's one of my favorite themes, character themes, 
ever. It's so good. And and I love how like with all how the how the scene is set, Koyomi is still kind of like, oh, hey there, what up? And he's like, oh, I'm just chilling there. I'm like, oh, is this the residence of one Kanbaru? It's like, oh, yeah, I guess she lives here. And, but it's, oh, we'll get to it. Oh, no, but it's so, so you, much you, fun got, you, like, got, you got to remember, though, you got to remember, though, he doesn't say, he doesn't, have, at the first, he doesn't say Kanbaru He doesn't or say Kanbaru, that's He right. says, no, he says uh, child of Gaian, mm. which Gaian is is uh, Kavru's actual mother, mother yeah. who, who is dead. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's a weird place to meet someone, but sure. And he, they're like chatting a bit, and he's like, mm, okay. And then he just moves on, and, and Aragi is like commenting to himself, well, that is a strange person, but I think I'm glad I didn't like get involved with him. Haha. <laughs> yeah. Again, <laughs> foreshadowing because nothing happens in Monogatari without a reason. Or just because Nisio Isin likes to fucking self indulge and fuck around. That's the why. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? It's but great. no, so the first the first person that, that Hitagi meets or I mean that uh Koyomi meets after this is uh Hitagi. I wanna say though, when he actually sees her and, and they, they they like look at each other and she immediately ducks out an alley to avoid him. <laughs> it's so good. Hitagi is like, It's so good. He's, he's, she's like, Why the fuck were you not studying? Do you not care anymore? She's Do you so not love me? And it's amazing. I love the, that humor. It's so good. Um, also awesome And also that, that great that great that great Akira know, reference, right? by the way. I know, right? That piece of animation, that Akira cut is so good with him sliding with the with the bicycle. Mm-hmm. Again, wonderful animation all around. It, it looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, but no. So, he... so... Yeah, go oh. ahead. Okay. Uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. And then, uh, and then Itagi starts uh, interrogating. Well, why aren't you um, studying today? And then I love that cut of like she's like, "Well, you've been." And then it cuts to her eyes, and she just blinks, and it passes. And and in her pupil, you see each of the uh, girls that he saw today. It's like, "Oh, you've seen six girls today, huh?" <laughs> Big psycho energy. No, he saw seven because he saw Kaiki because he's, he's best girl. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, yeah, and then so when that when that happens though, and he he, he mentions to her about Kaiki, like immediately she regresses back to her, her past behavior, and that's when you flash to the events of episode one. Yeah, and she she and he finds himself tied up, and for like, and he's like, why? And then she explains uh, why she she's protecting him, but from who? Well, like from Kaiki, because Kaiki is one of the con men who tricked her when she was looking for a cure for her uh, disease, so to speak, with the crab that haunted her in the past. And immediately, immediately you set up a really interesting dynamic between Kaiki and Senju Kahara. And it's fucking great. Oh. It's almost like you want to know more about it as a viewer, huh? Yeah, it's 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 awesome because that now you're like, oh, wow, because you know Senju Kahara and you already love her as a character. And then it's all you bring to the... To, to the the whole sort of uh, status quo of the show, this for, this like new character Kaiki, which you've seen little of, but you already have this massive impression of because he is so bigger than life and so interesting and fascinating. It, it it's awesome because it, it changes everything to some extent. 
And then she tells, yeah, he, he, he tricked me. He is a con man and you should... And that's why I, I, I'm capturing you here because I need to protect you from him. Uh, and then he gets a call from... Uh, was it um, Tsuki, right? No, uh... Well, yeah, I think it, originally it was either Karen or Tsukihi that actually tries to call him, mm-hmm. uh, but he can't get to his phone because he's tied up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also love that that scene where uh, uh, Hitagi's trying to get the, the phone out of his pocket, and she's very clearly groping his crotch. Oh, my God. <laughs> also, uh, oh. it, it's just, I almost forgot to mention, but yeah, just like we use the word regresses because she does. The moment Kaiki enters the picture, she sort of even regresses to that psycho tsundere like character she was back in Baki. I mean, she literally captures and arrests <laughs> Aragi and just traps him in the old cram school. Um, yeah, I, I also find it funny that after after all this happens, right? He gets mm-hmm. another call, and she does. Hitagi actually answers the phone instead, and she's like, all of a sudden, the, all the cindere goes away. She's like, no, no, don't do that. No, I don't want that. Oh, I no, love that so much. no. <laughs> and okay, he's like, well, who, who who called you on the phone? She's like, Hanikawa. It's like, oh, it was and by Hanikawa. Way, uh, by the way, we still haven't seen Hanikawa in person for the entire like in, for these uh, first few episodes. And then he's like, no, Whoa. we haven't. And we haven't gotten an explanation as to why she canceled the studying with uh, Koyomi, by the Which way. We'll get to soon. And, but I love that exchange. I was like, wait, what happened with Hanako? She was like, she told me to let you go. And he's like, why are you so worried? And Itagi answers, well, because she threatened that she'll take you away from me. <laughs> or oh, something shit. along the lines. Uh, but yeah, so he. it's also worth mentioning that uh, Koyomi is actually able to break out of the chains himself. Oh, yeah. Because the moment his sister's calling, he'll he'll break out of anywhere. <laughs> there, there's a, there's a part of me that's like, did Shinobu do that? <laughs> I mean, there's a good chance. I think they might have talked about it, but yeah, there's a good chance. That's that's also something we haven't talked about it yet. Because but, we're not um, there yet, my this... dude. We're getting there. We're getting there. No, no. I was gonna say. I was just gonna say. Like this is the first part of of Monogatari where we actually get to hear Shinobu speak, which is happening in a scene that's coming up real soon and it's probably one of the most important scenes in the series it it's certainly one of if not the most important uh but yeah so after this happens after this after this happens where um you know they have the call with hanakawa uh koyomi goes back home um and he meets well he he sees that hanakawa is actually there with the faya sisters and she cut her hair, and she did. Yeah, that's like you said. It's the first time we've seen her since uh, seen her. We've heard her, but we haven't seen her since the end of of Bake. And like, yeah, she has. She's cut almost all of her hair off. She's got very short hair and looking sexy as fuck. Might I add, my dude, my guy. She looks awesome, and I love that she sort of did that as. Like it to show that she has matured from the events of Bakke. She grown up. She moved past. But did she? It is the first instance. It is the first instance of several we will see of what I have come to call the Nisio Eason haircut. Very, very true. Very true. It just seems like that Nisio Eason uses like hair, especially cutting hair, as a sign that a character has changed. But did she? Because again, we're in Nisei Monogatari, where a lot of people are kind of fakes, and yes. while she may 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 be trying to grow past her 
and the events that happened in Bakke, there's a good chance that she didn't really. And yes, now so, she's aiding the Fire Sisters, pretty much. Yes, so one of the things we find out from this is that uh, Kaiki, being the con man that he is, has set up sort of a, I guess we'll call it a racket, um, mm-hmm. in the town that they live in, and he's trying to essentially swindle money out of middle schoolers, of which both of his little sisters are both oh, middle schoolers. And also, he sold some of the charms that led to the events of Nadeko's uh, uh, encounter with the snake uh, spirit yes, in Bakke. Yes, she did. Which yes, is also yes, an yes, interesting thing to like tie around to that arc, which is it's great. I love it. Yes, um, and, and not only that, I mean, he's also fucking with other uh middle schoolers at that particular school that both Nadako and the Faya sisters go to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you also find out that one of the people that uh was I infected uh by Affected? Kaiki. I don't know I don't know what the what the proper term is. Um uh Swindled? Conned conned by Kaiki mm-hmm. uh was Karen. Pretty much because Thanks to Hanekawa, they pretty much Hanekawa aids the Fire Sisters and helps uh, Karen track down Kaiki to face mm-hmm. him and see why the fuck he's selling all these charms to and like just conning these kids because what the fuck, dude? Uh, so I love that. To- I love that showdown, that verbal yes. showdown between Karen and Kaiki because it it just goes to show just how naive her sense of justice is. Like, which which makes sense. She's a young character, so she should be naive. And also how she views Kaiki, because I love the setting of that showdown. It's like in this very ominous room again. And he's like sitting there with all these candles and he's very much a bad guy, sort of. That's the mm-hmm. portrait that Karen is drawing of him. And he's like, uh, hey, what are you doing here? And she's like, yeah, I'm coming to stop you. He's like, how are you going to stop it? She's like, with my fists. And, you know, very childlike. And he's again, and then he goes on this awesome spiel about money and how he loves money and yeah. how money turns the world around and uh, that conversation is amazing it just goes to show you what his true motivations are it's not to help people it's not even really to con people he just wants to make money and yeah. he just figured out an easy way to make money is to con people and she's very much against that because she's like no you're like you 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 are hurting people and it's like i all i do is offer service and people decide to buy it to buy my service or not and i make money off of it and he's like trying to very much like tell her that she's like foolish for like seeing this as an evil thing right it's like very simply a business that is uh, doing and he also essentially asked the question, like, if someone voluntarily gives him money, knowing that he's a con man, is that really a bad thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and that whole show- showdown is great. And it ends up in him just kind of sh- just going and he's like, well, boom, you're you're down. And somehow he's sort of like ineffectual with this quote unquote apparition. Uh, that we don't know. Yeah, well, it's also funny because one of the things he says is that he clearly doesn't believe in oddities, yet he still uses them. He, how do they put it? Uh, I fucking love the writing of the show. They put it in the way of, um, he, he doesn't believe in oddities. He knows people that believe in oddities and uses them against them. And it's so quintessential Kaiki. It's perfect. I love it. I love it so much because he, he, yeah, he doesn't use anything really supernatural. He's just a guy. 
Um, and he also he, he also sows the seeds for something else that's said multiple times, uh, not just in this part, but it, you'll you'll hear it later on too. It's like he asked the, he asked I think he asked Karen the question directly, like, "What do you think is more real, the th- real thing or the fake that tries to be real?" Yeah, and it's ah, it's, it's it's great. I love that. It's so because good. It's so it, good. it comes back because that idea of fakeness. Because again, throughout the arc, Araki is like criticizing his sisters for like like they that they're they are not true justice. It, they're fake justice. They're child childish mm. justice. Very naive justice. And then yes. and you see that when Karen approaches Kaki because she approaches him very like she's a she's a kid. And she approaches him as a kid, and uh, but yeah, then Kaki neutralizes her, and now we're back at Aragi's place and uh, talking to Anikawa and like her telling him about um, that the, all these events we just talked about. Yeah, um, and yeah, so you find out that that Karen got inflicted with the uh, the fire wreath bee, I think it's yes. called Hornet. Um, yeah, and then one of the things that uh, Koyomi tries to do with this is he actually asks Shinobu directly, like, is there a way for me to, like, transfer Which, this... By the way, by the way, sorry to cut you off, that's the major scene. He goes to shower, and then Shinobu just appears from his shadow and starts talking to him. Which yeah. is, like, when when we, like, side note, when you and I debated about, like, how we should, like, do this watch order, one of the reasons I, at first, sort of wanted to uh, to watch Kizu uh, after Bakke and before Nisei is because that gives quite a lot of context to this whole conversation. This is a big conversation between the two, right? This is like it the is. first time they talk and discuss everything they experienced so far and what the relationship is like moving forward, which again is like really fascinating. So there's a lot to talk about in that conversation, you know? It's also the first mention of Guillotine Cutter, who is a character that appears in, in Kizu. That's uh, right, Kizu. And it's a it's a wonderful conversation. It's uh, I love that it is how they sort of they don't hate each other, but they can't forgive each other for things that yeah. happen. One of the things one of the things that's definitely laid out in this conversation between the two of them is what exactly the terms of their like relationship is. Very much. So. Uh, they're definitely not friends. Uh, they're certainly not lovers, but they're they're. They, I think they both realize that they need each other as a part of a whole right yeah. now, and they're sort of stuck. At with least each at this other. point, yeah. For for now, they're both stuck with each other. But they're willing to like, like, but they're willing to like move on with their relationship and like be with each other to some extent. And it's a mm-hmm. wonderful scene. Also, a lot of really cool animation between the two, just like talking and with and and showering because that's. That's that, I guess. <laughs> hmm. A lot of fans. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, shall we talk about the actual culmination of this particular story arc and how uh, both Hitagi and Koyomi uh, face Kaiki? Yes, because this is the my, like I think the best scene in this season. Maybe it, it's certainly it's certainly up there. Um, it's. Maybe Amazing. not the most remembered because we'll get to that in a second. But mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, so one of the things I like about this is they, they almost set it up as a fight because one of the things that happens is Hitagi goes into somewhat greater detail than she's ever gone before 
um, talking about her past with Koyomi because it's one of the things like yeah he knows a little bit about it but she's never gone into detail because you can obviously tell it's very painful for her mm-hmm. talking for sure. about what happened um, even after like the so, conversation it so was so painful for her like jumping just a bit ahead but she mentions it was so painful that she even said there's a good chance that maybe even someone else would have saved me instead of you I would have fallen in love with them instead of you. You know, it was like yeah. she was in such a dark place. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, she also reveals that Kaiki was the first con man that conned her family. And she also reveals that, like, you know, it, it was it was implied in, in Bakimonogatari that all the, the interactions with the con men were what actually led to her parents' divorce. But then she admits that no... I'm pretty sure my parents were on the way to divorce even before all this stuff happened. Yeah. Because they clearly weren't in love with each other anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a rough conversation for her. You can you can tell that this is really painful for her to talk about. And it also goes to show just how much trust she's gained in Koyomi. That she's opening herself up like this to him. Because I feel like that she wouldn't do this to just anybody. Even though obviously some time has passed and she's had some time, at least internally, to kind of deal with the trauma. Mm-hmm. I feel like the only reason she's telling all of this to Koyomi is to like show him how much that she trusts him. Yeah. And it's, she very much needs that support and he gives it to her because when they face Kaiki, he very much just doesn't hold back. He's like, I love that how he like talks about Hitagi and he's like, man, you've changed as well. You used to be something else, but now you're fake as fuck. He's like, he, he, he sees her as more fake than she ever was because she's not, he, it's like, it, I still try to understand like what he was saying, like what he was trying to say specifically. But I think like he was trying to get at that she is putting up a front, and maybe for the sake of our argument, but it's still a front. It's still something fake, even though we know that yeah. she is trying to grow and she is trying to get better. And I think part of that is because she's never, at least yet, tried to directly face her past. And mm. it's one thing that the whole the with Kaiki's reappearance that she's going to have to do. Yeah, it's like it's step by step. I mean, she faced her. She faced the crab back in Bakke, and now she's facing. Um, now she's facing Kaiki, which was an even was also maybe just as much as a as an influence on the events that happened in her past to some extent. And mm. that... there's a, there's a phrase there's a phrase that Koyomi uses, and and I really wish I'd written it down because it, it it's so wonderful, um, about why he loves her, um. I I really wish I'd written it down because it was it was such a great line. Um, you can paraphrase God, now, it if you want. Now, now now I'm upset. No, I I I'm gonna go. Give me just one second because I gotta I gotta find this. Hold on. Hold it's on. a good. In the meantime, I'll, I'll I'll talk a bit about it. it's. I love also how it's it's they approach that scene because they go into this like park or whatever, and then there's all of these just crows hanging around and just very menacingly like sitting there and i love how that scene like this scene sort of finally unravels kaiki's character as just a guy you know he's just a guy who's like who likes to make money and throughout all the scenes in the season whenever he shows up he is very much portrayed as a villain as a bad guy he's evil right like the sisters talk about evil and he 
might not be a good person, but he's not evil. He's a dude. And he says it. It's like, I just came here to make money. Um, I'm not looking for a fight. If you want, I can go now. I can leave town. And uh, and again, that goes back into the theme of fate because sort of the Fire Sisters like sort of project that sense of e- that evil onto Kaiki. And it's fake because they're... It, it, he is a fake himself, right? Again, he doesn't believe in the supernatural. He he, belie- he he uses people who believe in the supernatural. And it's great. It goes back to the theme. And that's why I think like that idea, that whole theme of something being fake is really fascinating. There's a lot to dig into because this season digs into it so much. Because again... I finally found it. <laughs> oh, you found the quote? Go for it. I did. So the quote, the quote. This is right before they they leave to go face Kaiki. Is mm-hmm. um, Koyomi says to Hitagi, "Sometimes I don't know why I'm dating you, but I love you so much. I don't need a reason." Aww. Oh my god, that's, great. that's a great line. I hope I get to use that on someone one day. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> but yeah, and 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 that old spiel of him just being a guy, and I'll and. Him seeing Hanek- uh, Hitagi as fake. And then I love how it comes back around to him pointing out that Aragi might be the only person in in there who is not fake. Because for all the shit mm. we give uh, Aragi, he's very much a very justice-driven guy to a fault to some extent. He jumps at danger for the sake of our people. And I love how Kaki uh, just observes that and 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 says that. He is a fake himself, but yeah. he knows that Aragi, for a fact, is not a fake at all. He is a very, in, in a sense, justice to some extent. And it's yeah. oh, it's so good. It's so good. Kaki is such a great character. He lifts I, every scene that he is in. He he owns, like, he, he just owns the He chews up scenery every scene that he's in. Like, no doubt. Um, it's one of the things so that makes him a great character it just in general is just how well written he is and and a lot of it is goes into his dialogue like his dialogue is so meticulously like sculpted it, it, it is literally yeah. like a sculpture watching him talk yeah very much so and it, and again it plays so well on the impression that we had of him so far but just laying it all out there it's like i'm just a guy i'm here to make money yeah, I can leave. I yeah. don't look for. I'm not looking for a fight. That would be a waste of time for you and I. I'll just leave. Yeah. And on on the uh, on the like topic of being fake as well. Like even the fire wreath bee thing was kind of a a, a false yeah. starter as well because Kaiki reveals to them like, yeah, I know it looks like it's bad, but give it a couple days, it'll be fine. Yeah, it's like this is just hypnosis. That's it. And I love it. It is. It's literally no. It is. It it is literally just like a form of hypnosis. It's it's it, temporary. It, and that he was already leaving the city anyway. So them coming to face him was like didn't even matter. But it was. It, but it didn't matter to Aragini Tagi. It was for her such a crucial moment of to face him. It's like, hey, just so you know, I'm in a much better place now. I have someone who loves me, and I love him. So fuck you. <laughs> also before we move on to Tsukihi Phoenix I just want to talk about like that final scene uh, at after they face uh, Kaiki where it's just uh, where Kaiki leaves and it's just Koyomi and Hitagi talking and Hitagi throws him up against the fence mm. and she says be gentle with me tonight they fucking bang <laughs> you know it dude 
Also, they sh- fucking banged. Also, holy shit, we haven't even talked about his fight with Karen, which is, by the way, excellent animation. But it's like, oh, there's so much to talk about in this arc. Because again, it's like he, he fights Karen and she beats the shit out of him. But by the end of it, they have this sort of like, like, uh, sort of like they, they this bonding moment between the two. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know you, you and Suki are very much childish. You are kids and you are fake, but I am proud of you for trying so hard. And it's again, yeah, goes back to, ah, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's the sibling rivalry thing. It, 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 it's played so well with, with these three characters. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Like he acts like he hates them, but deep down he cares a lot about them. And again, he's like super, and he's part of them for because for for trying to be so just and caring so much about that yeah. because he is very much a just person, you know. All right, so moving on. I feel like we've given Karen B enough. We've talked about it for like thirty minutes, um, <laughs> and we're coming up on the fifty-minute mark here. Um, so let's talk about Sukihi Phoenix. Best OP. Um, uh, it is certainly my favorite OP in the Monogatari series, Platinum Disco, uh, sung so by Yuka Iku, uh, Ikuchi, who is the uh, voice actor for Tsukihi Aradagi. Uh, it is, it is, like I said, my favorite OP in uh, the entire Monogatari series, at least thus far. Uh, we'll see if we get any more Monogatari anime. Wink, wink, nudge, wink, nudge, wink. chef. Please, <laughs> chef, please. Yeah, so yeah, it is. Arc, it is my favorite OP. It's it's an incredible OP. I love the animation. I love the the song. The use of this like sort of class. I I I don't remember the name of the instrument, but it's like classical string sort of instrument they use in it. I really like the use of that, and it's super da, da, trippy. Da, da, da. Yeah, and I love specifically the part at the end where she, you see Tsuki dancing and and you see how she and it like. Uh, rotates between different versions of her, you know, with different mm-hmm. hairstyles and different um, um, get-ups, and it's great. It's an awesome mm-hmm. OP. Almost as like she's trying to present herself and doesn't know how, like a fake! So, just like in Karen B, the first two episodes involve a lot of shit-talking and stupid things, but we can't move on without uh, talking about the most stupidest of things. Yeah, we can't. So, one of the things, even if you've never watched the Monogatari series and know nothing about it, one thing you probably do know about it is the toothbrush scene. So yeah, it takes place in episode... It is the first episode of Tsukihi Phoenix. It is the... It is takes place... It, it takes up almost the entirety of episode 8 of Nisei Monogatari. Um, and it, it, it is what it is. I feel like I don't really need to talk about it too much because at this point it's so iconic there is one question i have for you though because there it's it's something that i've asked myself a lot about this scene okay does this actually happen or is it something that koyomi is just going through in his head yes it does because i think it's something that's going going on and mm-hmm. only in koyomi's mm-hmm. head it does happen i have a feeling because in the previous arc koyomi cures karen by kissing her because of course and he drains the uh, sickness that she had because he's a vampire and mm. from then on she becomes sort of attracted to him then she shows up in this fucking weird um horny get up and i think it does happen because they literally when the scene happens and by the end of it when suki shows up and she like stops it 
like the fact that she as a third party notices was weird as fuck like it happens and but then i love how they like go back at it the moment it ends you know i think it's very yeah you know if 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 this actually happens you do know what this implies right right that he has sex with his sister no he didn't have sex he had toothbrush sex with his okay I listen as horny as they were getting like they were close to he was so close to ripping her shirt off let's be honest so fucking I, I like I this is the third time I'm watching the the series and watching again this scene I was like damn this is it's you know and this is it, it's it's all I, I I hesitate to say foreshadowed but it's almost like referenced before the fact in a few episodes prior it's actually after they have their big fight you know um and koyomi's like be careful not to fall in love with me (laughs) and he's like no 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 no, karen says i I have to be careful not to fall in love And, and koyomi's like well that would be incestuous moving on also like after that scene they are very close i mean that whole scene of like her carrying on her back it's like very close. That's the only word yeah. I can use. And then she cuts her hair because, of course, I I, st- I still feel like that the ending of the toothbrush scene implies that they went a little further than just toothbrush. No penetration. Uh, I'm not saying that she could have sucked his dick or given him a hand job, but something oh happened. Come on. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, moving on. So, uh, a couple of characters are introduced for the first time in this uh, this arc. Uh, the first one is uh, Yos- uh, Yosuru Kagenui. Um, it's a weird lady. Also, I mentioned it before with Kaiki, with uh, the importance of character introductions. Another really good character introduction, because immediately upon her introduction, you kind of want to know more about her, because she acts so weird. Also, great design. I mean, again, Kaguya's design as well. Just saying, putting out an amazing design. But also, Kaguya's design really dope. You know. Yes. Um, but yeah, this is also the very first appearance of the term "devil boy" in reference to Koyomi. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a a phrase that you will hear many, many more times throughout the Monogatari series. Uh, in reference to Koyomi. Something else in the whole conversation that they have. So one of the things that she wants to know is where the cram school is that Meme Oshino was at. Probably um, because course, she's looking for Meme Oshino. It, it, you, you probably. You, you might have something there. But something throughout the entire conversation you I realized, um, especially the first time I watched it, and um, even when she's leaving, is that she never touches the ground. That's right. Like, she jumps from thing to thing, trying to get everywhere. Uh, by the end of the arc, we even see her just, like, standing on top of Ornanoki, which we'll talk about really quick. Uh, and, yeah, she never t- we <clears throat> never see her touch the ground. Maybe it's yeah. a curse that is cast on her. Maybe it's... It, Maybe. It's never I guess we'll have to find yeah. out. <laughs> um, and also, the whole thing with this is that... Uh, uh, Koyomi is taking Karen to meet Kamburu. Oh yeah, because the whole shtick with the toothbrush scene is because she they're betting if she can survive five minutes, he'll introduce her to Kamburu because of course. Ugh. Somehow yeah. it makes sense uh, in context. <laughs> uh, sure, we'll go with that. But yeah, um, so Karen meets Kamburu. That, that won't have any negative repercussions later, will it? I know, right? 
Um, and then immediately after this, we get introduced to, I know it's a lot of people's least favorite Monogatari character. She's actually one of my favorite Monogatari characters. Uh, Yotsuki Ononoki is introduced for the very first time. I, first of all, I love her design. I love her design so damn much. Her design much. is awesome. It's especially the dress that she wears. Like, there's something about it just pops. I don't know it, what it is. It just it works for me. So different from every and every other character in the show, but it still it feels like a part of it. It's it's. Really I know, cool. and I know a lot of people out there don't like her because she's just she's so flat. Like as a character, she's such a blank slate type of character. Especially but I don't know. There's on. something about her that I absolutely love. I love her way of speaking, especially her little like phrases that she has, which one of them is introduced uh, in this. It's um, I said with the post look, I didn't write that down, but I should have my favorite, like, like sort of catchphrase of her is how she addresses the Koyomi. She calls him Oni Onichan, which is a play on Oni, which is a devil and Onichan, which is a brother. That's one yeah. of my favorite things about Arnoki, that all Oni Onichan. It's yeah. great. Um, uh, one of the things that, I mean, she's, and, and also uh, Kaganui mentioned that, hey, if you see this this character that looks like Onoki, you know, tell her the same thing you tell me. Um, and of course, there she is. Um, and he tells Onoki how to get to the cram school. Um, and before Ononoki leaves, she acknowledges Hachikuji, who's standing right next to him. Now, previously, the only person who's been able to see Hachikuji has been Koyomi. And Hanakawa. And Hanakawa. Um, so, immediately, you're like, what? What is she? <laughs> what? What is this? What is this? What also, is this she seems to know things about Koyomi and some of his friends already. Mm-hmm. It's like, so immediately, like, how the fuck does she know this? What? <laughs> yeah, a lot of question raised. And I love how that's, again, in, like, dispersed between the bullshitted scenes, you know? Like, yeah, you have that between him and Karen just w- taking a walk, talking about how uncomfortable it is to sit on top of one another when you're walking with something stupid like that and him meeting yeah. uh, like the meeting between Karen and Kanbaru uh, and again not a whole lot of like direction of what this arc is about until you get to the next episode episode 10 which is the one yes. before the last the penultimate yeah. so uh, the, the episode starts with um, Shinobu being Shinobu and just wanting donuts um, <laughs> I love it <laughs> Um, but any and and Koyomi agrees. All right, I'll get you your damn donut. Shut the fuck up. Um, and then on the way out, he talks to Sukihi, who it, he realizes that there's some some scars that she's had for for a long time that are just gone. Like they're just completely gone. And he's like, "Well, what the fuck?" I also like how the rapey way he goes about checking out the scars on her body by fucking uh, throwing her against the floor and forcibly undressing her. Uh, yeah, never change. That's, that's our argument for you. But anyway, after this scene, I, I also like how he kind of drops in. It's like, oh, well, well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, a- afterwards, he goes to uh, Mr. Donut, who, when I first watched this, I thought was a fake thing. Turns out Mr. Donut is a very real, it's uh, a real donut thing. and coffee shop chain in Japan. And there's one in the United States, which I really want to go to. Just go there. I believe it's in Illinois. Kaiki. <laughs> Speaking huh? of, I, I, so I'm saying, go to the cosplay as Kaiki. 
Yeah, for sure. Speaking, Speaking of, of Kaiki, though, uh, while they're there, they see Kaiki at the donut shop and has one of the best spit takes I've ever seen. <laughs> when and Shinobu's like, why don't you talk to that guy back there? He might know some things about those two suspicious characters you just met. And he turns around, and he's like, Ma! <laughs> and again, absolutely love it, because the previous part just built Kaiki as this bad guy, as a villain. By the end of it, it's like, I'm just a dude. But I will go. And then Aragi's like, hmm, I wonder what's going on with my sister. And it's like this guy just sitting there eating his donuts. And I love it. Mm. It's so good. It's... Um, yeah, but that uh, that that whole conversation between them is great. And it's filled with some great dialogue. But one of the things that they do uh, realize that Kaiki does give up is that he knows that uh, Kaginui and Ononoki are uh, – they're – they're essentially supernatural hunters, and they specialize in immortal beings. Ghost the bus does it. Yeah, but they, they they particularly specialize in immortal beings. So I Koyomi already has this thought going in his mind, like, are me and Shinobu at risk? Because technically we're both vampires. Mm-hmm. And they go to back to their place, and they see their Kagenui and Oronoki. Like, for some of them trying to open the door, it's like, what the fuck is going on? And it escalates very quickly. Yeah, it does escalate very quickly. Cause, so, Tsukihi opens the door and immediately gets, cr- what seemingly gets crushed by Ononoki. Also, this is the first instance we hear of unlimited rulebook. Unlimited rulebook. <laughs> and that, again, that animation, it looks so good. When she fucking, like, her finger gets big and she just... Like, beats the shit out of things. Beats the shit out of things, and half of Tsukihi is gone. It's like, what yeah. the fuck? And then Koyomi just immediately loses his shit and tries to attack her. But then it's pointed at him like, no, look, her body, it's fine. She's fine. Look. Plot twist, she is an apparition all along. Yeah, she, the whole the whole time she's been an apparition. In, in the theme, again, of being fake, it turns out that Tsukihi herself it's is a actually sister. a phoenix that assumes the identity of a human child every time that it dies. And Wow, I, what a revelation. I mean, yeah. And I love that whole, like, how Aragi comes to terms with it. It's like, nah, she still, like, is my sister, and I love her even if she is a fake. She has been a part of my life this whole time. Like, he has no, he has no, like, moment of doubt about it. It's like, no, she's my sister, I love it, fuck you guys. So, in order to protect her, he and Shinobu go to uh, fight Ononogi and Kagirumi. And we get one of the best designs of this entire show, Fight Me. Teenage Shinobu. It's so good. Uh, I the I've always had the question of where does the jacket come from that she wears, but I'm not gonna question it. I'm not gonna question it. Uh, um, yeah, it just pops out and on. It's like I, I I won't I won't fight it. There there are two god tier character designs in this entire series. One of them is Teenage Shinobu. Another one is a character design that we'll see in season two. Um, uh, I'll I'll get to that when we get to it. Um, yeah, uh, that... Also, something that we learned uh, before this fight even happens, though, is we learn how uh, Kagenui, uh, Meme, and Kaiki all are connected, and the That's fact right. that they are all—they were all classmates in college, and they were all members of the um, occult research club. I think it was called something like that. 
And I love how Kagenui presents. I, I, I forget the exact. They they, they give it an exact like name, that, but yeah. I've forgotten what it is. And I love how Kagenui presents their dynamic as Oshino being Oshino, being the neutral one between the two. When they talk about things being fake or not, Kagenui being like very much no, either you are very, if you either you are real or you're fake, like be very black or white. Mm. And then Kaiki is like, well, sometimes when something is fake, it believes it so much it becomes something real, just like how Tsuki is started is an apparition that her whole thing her whole thing is that she just is she is not really a person she is very much a fake but she believes it so much she's not really aware she's an apparition so she becomes the real thing you know that whole question itself is again really interesting it's like that thing that kaigi says like is is the real thing worth more or is the fake that tries really really hard to be indistinguishable from the real thing worth more which yeah. I, I love relating it back to that because Kaiki is kind of right in that regard that like in its attempts to be real, the fake that tries the hardest to be real is probably worth more because as more effort was put into it being real. Fake it till you make it. It's, it's a thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I also, I also just in general, I love that reveal because it opens up a, a lot of, storytelling potential going forward especially when these characters do reappear mm-hmm. um, i also uh, we haven't gotten it yet but my god would i love to see a story of these three characters when they were in college i, I really would. wish we'll get a story like that because it's there's so much to dig into i mean we don't see them together and i'd love to see how that dynamic played plays out in front of me you know mm. Yeah, but yeah, then but anyway, we get a then the, we get a fight. The, the fight happens. The fight happens, and let let's be honest, it, it's a bit of a one sided fight between um between Kakinui and Koyomi. Like he yeah, gets his she ass gets beat. The shit out of him. <laughs> and then <laughs> I love the reveal, like when they when they go downstairs and you see the result of uh, Shinobu and Ononoki, and Ononoki's just pinned to the wall with X's on her eyes, like oh and oh that's... this happened. And that's after well, shit. like, and th- that's after Onoki's talking shit. It's like, oh, she you know was just a ha- just an old hag. She is nothing. And then she beats the shit out of her, so it's fine. Yeah, I, I um, love it. I love it. I also love that 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 line that Koyomi has. I'll never give up on my little sister, no matter what kind of creature she is. Just echoing what he's already said before. Yeah. What a what a what a good dude. What a good dude. Yeah. Um, and then. They uh they kind of just pack up and leave. Uh, Kaganui pulls Ononoki off the wall, throws her over her back, and is like, "All right, we're leaving now." Because pretty much she says something on the lines of, the lines of, "Well, you're taking responsibility for your sister, and you're gonna watch over her, even though she is an yeah. apparition." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um. But I they kind of leave with the implication that like if we figure out that you can't you know control this we're gonna come back and kill her and he's like okay (laughs) well then that that's really that's kind of how this ends i mean i mean we go back and we definitely get a resolution between uh both koyomi and uh sukihi we also kind of get a a verification of the new relationship koyomi has with karen you Mm -hmm. know how well they get along with each other they're talking back and forth i also like that you know koyomi is like yeah you know i've been dating someone and i want you to meet her 
Yeah, he tells that to, to Tsuki, and she loses it. She's like, what? <laughs> Which, again, is, is another thing of Koyomi's growth. Like, he's starting to trust his sisters more, and he's like, you know, I've got this person who's really special to me, and I think you guys definitely need to meet her. And then we cut to him walking on the beach, going to see yeah. Itagi. And yeah, yeah, the the after credit scene is is him just he meets Hitaki on the beach, and then it's just fade to black. That's that's the end of. of but Nisei. with a new haircut. Well, yeah, with a new haircut, and that's definitely being teased for something that's coming again. So yeah, Nisei is wild, and it's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you so. Obviously, with the title of this being Nisei Monogatari, fake story, how do you think it actually handles that theme of of of, of fakeness? Not just with people, but with situations. Super well. I mean, the fact that we've been talking about this for over an hour now, it, we've spent a lot of time just talking about that theme alone, it works so well. Because, again, it's on its own, it's such an interesting idea. And mm. I've had so many conversations with you and other friends of mine who watch this show that it, there's so much to dig into because you see that in all of the characters, it, it, it sort of touches almost all the characters in the show. Like the idea of what is fake, what is not. Like we talked about in Bake how some of the characters are to some extent like these archetypes of a tsundere and this like childhood friend and the shy girl and like... and. As the show went along, you see how this is just a front for something that's beneath that, something m- more, much more flawed, that there's a reason why they are the way they are. And another element of that is how they are being fake. So again, whether it's the sisters being really fake about their justice and how it's really childish, how everyone's projecting something onto Kaiki, which is fake, because he is not the villain that he is, even though he is a piece of shit, it's not evil, right? That it yeah. just so well, just it's so cohesively written, you know, and I love that. It's, it's great. It's so well executed. It is. I I cannot disagree with anything you just said. Um, I think it handles that theme of fakeness very very well, and it runs throughout. And it, it it's one of those things like how do you overcome the fakeness? Well, you got to admit it first. Yeah, very much so. It's it's really interesting to talk about. Uh, every now and then I'll find myself talking about Nisei quite a lot because of that theme. This is probably my second favorite part of the Monogatari series as a mm. whole. And we'll get to your favorite part real soon. But oh, we will. We will. We, but uh, but that's, approaching... that's going to be it. Yeah, this that's going to be it for it. Nisei, though. This is um, it for Nisei. It's, it's, it's I, wild. I think... I think you and I have kind of decided how we want the rest of this uh, spoiler cast series to go. So mm-hmm. we are the next part of our spoiler cast series is going to be Nekomonogatari Black. Yes, it's going. To, I know it's only four episodes, but it's it's going to get its own um, its own spoiler cast. Expect a quickie um, about that. Part. Yeah, it, that that probably won't be anywhere near as long as these last two have been. Um, and then we're going to probably end up splitting second season into two parts, just because second season is as long as it is. Um, we definitely don't want to have like a two and a half hour spoiler cast. So. No, 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 no. I mean, we could do it, but let's not for the sake of John. Yes, for John's sake, we will not be doing that. Um, but yeah, uh, and then the rest of it's just going to go in broadcast order. So uh, definitely look forward to that. As I said, the next part of our spoiler cast series will be Neko Monogatari uh, Black. 
So uh, with that, uh, thank you all so much for dropping in to listen to us. Check the description below to find links to Anime Club After Dark on Twitch, on social media, and on Discord. Uh, check out our merch store as well. Um, any purchases you make there do really help us out. With that, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, Natai. Please don't brush your sister's teeth like that. It's don't, don't. I mean, if you do, if you absolutely have to, don't grope her titties. <sighs> oh my god. Unless we're past the horniest part, I think. Right? Well... <laughs> <laughs>